1: Welcome to Hex and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. I'm Joe Galena. And as usual, I'm joined by the biggest Tigers fan that I know. Welcome to my friend Scott Chu. Scott, how's it going?
2: About as good as Tarek Scoobel's been, right? It's going fantastic. <laughs> Didn't take long. I can't long. do the podcast without, no, without mentioning him <laughs> at least
1: a little. You warned me. And, and look, he deserves to be brought up. No yeah, doubt. Yeah, he's,
2: he's been absolutely on fire. Mm -hmm. Nick has talked about it a little bit, but really it's improved fastball command. Mm -hmm. He's got, you know, he's putting a little more faith in those breaking balls and they're working. He's not leaving those, you know, he's not leaving those middle, middle, all that stuff going together. Look, I'm not saying he's going to be this kind of player the rest of the season. Very few people can be, but you know, with the inconsistency will come really, really nice upside. Mm -hmm. And in a world where streaming pitchers is not a niche strategy, it's the norm Mm -hmm. this is a guy that you might want to hold on to and he's probably one of you know he's still in that streaming tier but he's probably the last one i want to drop right oh yeah i've got a couple guys in that streaming tier he's probably the one i want to i want to hold you're not going to get much for wins quality starts might be tough to come by but those strikeouts and innings are going to keep coming
1: yeah he pitched what five innings on saturday uh 11ks and i was reading how he's kind of Moved away from using his splitter and starting to use his curveball more. And that's that's helped him to become uh, a little bit more effective. And I uh, saw so we picked him up in uh, the podcast league, which is which is great. And uh, look, the, for your Tigers, man, uh, A.J. Hinch uh, bringing in a little bit of a winning attitude in, into Detroit. Look, they still got their issues, but uh, at home, the 13 and 15, which isn't terrible. And you were giving me a little grief, as you should have, <laughs> last week. When your Tigers swept my Yankees, and uh, look, you know, I, I wanted to ask you in terms of uh, your Tigers, uh, Michael Fulmer hasn't pitched in a while. Any any news with him? I don't see any injury news. For a while, it looked like they were using him as their closer, but I guess we'll see. Like we're taping this a podcast on Sunday afternoon about. Noonish, and uh gregory soto and jose cisnero have both worked back-to-back days so i'm curious to see if if there is a situation where they need someone to close out if it's going to be fulmer any, any news on fulmer yeah actually it was just like within the last two hours wow okay they placed him on
2: the 10-day il okay um, he's got a right shoulder strain it's retroactive mm-hmm. back to the third so it's hard to say exactly how long he'll be gone right now. He is mm-hmm. right-handed so a right shoulder strain is a bit of a big deal. Yeah. He's had previous Tommy John surgery as well. Yeah. So, you know, I can't sit here and say I know how long he's going to be gone I'm, unless you're in, you know, if you're in an unlimited IL league, like you should stash him stash him because I think it'll be the closer because there's simply not that many good options in Detroit. Right. But there's also not a clear ad as to who's going to get the saves really until Fulmer had taken over it had been a mix of like Sometimes Jose Cisnero or Gregory Soto or Mm -hmm. whoever, you know, last man standing in the back of that pen. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there is some news. He's on the IL. If you've only if you've got really limited IL spots, I'm not sure I keep him. But Mm -hmm. if it's unlimited, go ahead, stash him. He'll be the closer when he comes back.
1: Gotcha. Okay. I didn't hear that. I, know. I was looking for news from him this morning, but like you said, just broke a couple hours ago, right before we started uh, broadcasting. And uh, sticking with you, Tigers, for a second, uh, what about Akil Badu? Now, you had mentioned him a couple of weeks ago when we were doing uh, our prospects and uh, rookies episode and never played above a ball. Of course, he's had his ups and downs. I was just looking at some of his stats. On April 22nd, he was batting 295, got off that incredible start, right? Then... In the next 15 games since that April 22nd, 295 batting average, he hit just 103 with a 41% K rate. And then he switched back where in his next 14 games, he walked 30.6% of the time, cut his strikeout rate to 25%. So, you know, you kind of called it. You, You were looking at him as somebody that might be able to bounce back a little bit, but uh, Badu's on fire again.
2: Yeah, so, you know, the results are there, and that's cool. The power is nothing like it was to start the season because he was just on a ridiculous tear then. But when you're looking for young players who are making adjustments, right? Akil Badu is a guy who never played in Double A, So he's made a big jump to make it to the major leagues, had initial success. What I always want to see is, look, after their initial success, there's almost always, unless your name's like Juan Soto, there's going to be a period where you don't do as well. Right. Mm-hmm. You, you really struggle. And we saw that clearly with Badu. Right. By the end of April, his walk rate was 3%. His strikeout rate was 43.9. And that includes the hotness in the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. Right. So from there, I want I, the first thing I want to see is like, okay, so what'd you do in May? In May, right. Remember, 3% walk rate in April. In May, 24.1%. That's the second highest among major leaguers with at least 50 plate appearances in May, right? Right behind mm-hmm. Yasmani Grandall. Right. right. 29.3% strikeout rate for the course of the whole month. That's a little high, but it's a whole lot better than 439, right? Yeah. <laughs> you can walk, you know, the difference between his walk rate and strikeout rate is like 4%, 5%, mm-hmm. right? So, of 141 wrc plus he, he is running a lot more, obviously, because he's getting on base, right? You walk 24.1% of the time, you're going to get a couple more chances to steal bases. There's a 2020 player in here with mm-hmm. good OBP over the course of a full season. Now, that's not going to happen this year, but as early as next year, I think he's a 2020 guy. And for the rest of this season, look, there's going to be some streakiness. And in a 12-team yeah. league, there's going to be times where you probably cut him. Just keep an eye on this guy. Keep him on the watch list. There's real potential here. And really, in general, when you're looking at young guys, that's this is what you want to see. You want to see big adjustments. Mm-hmm. You don't want to see the same thing over and over and over again, right? Uh, you want to see that big adjustment, and it was, you know, clear as day. It's rarely this easy, mm-hmm. but when a guy, you know, takes his walk rate and jacks it up like 150 percent, right? Actually, it's way more than that, right? It's three to 24, right? He's seeing stuff different. He's mm-hmm. learning. He's adjusting. That's what you want to see. That's why I'm excited.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I, I guess you probably agree. There's going to be some more dips, right? Because he's a young player making adjustments, like you said. So maybe the next deep dip might be an opportunity to uh, buy low, maybe in a dynasty. You know, just just throwing it out there. But uh, a couple of pitchers went down. Some uh, big name pitchers. We've been, I've been waiting for here. Hernandez, Marlins starting pitcher to come back off the IL and finally came back this week, Scott, and then suffered a severe right quad strain while he was running the bases, and he was pitching real well too. So it was a a shame and uh, Jack Flaherty uh, Cardinals ace went down uh, first felt tightness in his side while he was pitching. I think it was on Monday in the fifth inning uh, against the Dodgers. And then he further aggravated the strain Uh, on a swinging strike and is at bat uh, half inning later. So expect him to be out until August. Looks like Hernandez is going to be out for a while as well because they called it a severe right quad strain. So I guess the, the point I'm a little ticked off about is that some of these injuries were made worse by pitchers having to, you know, hit. So let's get this universal DH in play already
2: it's hard to tell athletes not to compete, but if I'm a manager, I'm telling my pitcher, don't swing, never right. swing, mm-hmm. let him come right down the pipe unless this guy can actually hit like maybe a Madison Bumgarner or something like that. You know, go ahead, whatever. Cause you can't tell him not to swing. Cause he's hit home runs. Yeah. But some of these other guys, you know, if I'm, if I'm the manager of the nationals and I've got Steven Strasburg, I mean, he didn't get hurt on a, on a swing. Right. But he's been hurt a lot. He's got a strained neck right now. He got pulled after he was hit by, you know, after he got hit on the arm, but you know, it's actually his neck. He's going to be out for a while. We don't have a lot of clear details, but if I'm a, if I'm a team, I've got an injury, you know, an injury prone pitcher or a guy who's really valued my organization. Don't swing, right? Don't swing. Don't even get on base. Let it come right down the pipe. You know, I know it's an automatic out and there'll be some cases where you can't do that, but most of the time I'd say, keep that bat right on your shoulder. Don't even Mm -hmm. swing. It's not worth it. It's not worth the severe you know, oblique strain, or you know, trying to run out the pitch and, and getting a quad strain—it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. It's not worth it to the player, and it's not worth it to the team.
1: Yeah, as a American League fan, you're, are you in favor of the universal DH? I mean, yeah, it's better baseball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, when I'm watching baseball, I want to see good hitters. Mm-hmm. I'm
2: like, it's cool when pitchers do something, but that's not often, right? Mm-hmm. Very rare. So show me the good hitters. Let let's get more good hitters in the league. Let's give more right. hitters an opportunity to play. That's what mm-hmm. DHs do, right? I mean, there's there's a labor reasons they haven't done it. They don't want to renegotiate that contract, open it up, whatever. But, you know, it, it's got to come. I, I don't think there's any uh, – there's very few arguments I've heard that are at all worthwhile right. about pitchers hitting, and most of them are tradition. And tradition doesn't pay these guys' bills, right? Mm-hmm. Like, tra- mm-hmm. tradition doesn't give Alicia Hernandez those months back.
1: Right. Right. Yeah, and uh, we're going to see changes in the game of baseball, uh, you know, over the next couple of years, I'm sure. And and one, uh, I think I threw it down on our uh, rundown. Uh, I was about the Garrett Cole Ryan Yarbrough uh, game the other day, and just you know, there was, it was pretty obvious that there was strike zone inconsistencies being called by the plate umpire where do you stand? And I know this is really doesn't have much to do with specifically fantasy, but just in general, people talk about getting robo umps in there. What do you think? Danger? Will Robinson, danger. No, Will Robinson, danger.
2: I mean, I think it's a really cool idea and there's some really nice technology going into that. I think every player, you know, I think there's still going to be a role for an umpire to be back there, but it doesn't have to be balls and strikes, Mm -hmm. right? The robot probably can't call certain things, right? Mm -hmm. Um, there's still going to be a need for someone to be there. I haven't heard anything in the minor leagues about how it's broken. Right. I mm-hmm. mean, like Nick covered this specific situation really well. Ryan Yarbrough, who throws like 88, 89 uh, with a big sidearm delivery, throws these pitches that sort of demands the umpire stretch the zone a little bit for him. Cause he just keeps putting them there mm-hmm. and it sort of warps the dimensions, but you can't do that to a robot. Right. You can't right. force a robot to call you strikes. Mm-hmm. Right. You can't do anything like that the robot doesn't care. So I'm in favor of it. And until then, we're going to see guys like Yarbrough who can maybe stretch that strike zone a little bit, but Mm -hmm. there are games where he doesn't get it and he has to put stuff a little closer to the plate and he gets wrecked.
1: Right. So I'm not making excuses for my Yanks. I mean, uh, the offense has been pretty bad. And uh, so they called up Chris Gittins on Saturday, power hitting first baseman, looking for a spark, I guess, but God knows they do need it. But uh, at this stage in terms of prospects and we, did a real nice uh, episode a couple weeks ago with Shelly V regarding uh, prospects. And uh, at this stage, I, I guess the the hitting prospect that we're really all waiting on is Wanda Franco, right? I mean, a couple of years ago, we were all counting down the time until the Blue Jays would call up Vlad Guerrero Jr. And even though the guy had and does have tremendous talents, taking him a couple of seasons to come into his own. But I don't know. It just seems that this season, so far, uh, just too many of the hitting prospects have underwhelmed. I mean Jared Kellynick, Taylor Ward, Trevor Larnach, Owen Miller, Alex Kirilov has had his time but also slumping. So uh, just trying to figure out if there's a specific reason why. I mean, I know that just in general rostering prospects we've talked about it as being a risky venture, but could it be, you know, missing out on the entire 2020 minor league system you know you got the the new ball which is a little little bit uh, deadened we'll say and maybe just the general trend of pitchers continuing to perfect their craft but there's also the the thing that they're doing too which has gotten a lot of notice lately athletic had a really good article about it si.com had a really good article about it it's about the sticky stuff that's on these balls that they're throwing today
2: yeah and just to touch on that a little bit that's happening in the minors too let's be clear, guys are doctoring pitchers in the minors because for them, the stakes are just as high. They're trying to, they're trying to move up. Right. Mm -hmm. So all that stuff is happening. And I think there's a really nice conversation to be had there, but we're not going to have it today because we just don't have that kind of time. The first thing I'll say is you're got, you know, four-year yanks, Chris Gittens, he's the type of prospect. We see guys like this come up all the time. He's huge power, like Mm -hmm. 75, 80 grade power, big time power and a tiny hit tool talking like 35, maybe, and so, and that's on the you know that's on the twenty eighty scale thirty to thirty five de- tends to be really bad, obviously seventy five eighty the top we see very few prospects with this kind of power. The last one I can think of who's actually very recent, Bobby Dahlbeck has a kind of similar feel to this. He's a guy who mm-hmm. takes walks. He doesn't have a big hit tool. He has a good idea of the strike zone, but takes big hard swings and he misses a lot. Right now, Bobby Dahlbeck can go on these hot streaks that make him look like a monster. And I think Chris Gittins is capable of this. I mean, another player on your Yankees, Gary Sanchez is a guy Mm -hmm. with big, big, big time power and a very limited hit tool. And there Mm -hmm. are weeks, even a month where they look like, you know, among the best power hitters in baseball. And then they go back to being a guy who you can't believe is in the major leagues, Mm -hmm. right? This, you know, the trope here of Chris Gittins is one that we see all the time and, it's, you know, it's a real gamble. I mean, in 10 and 12 team leagues, I don't think you really need to make a move in deeper ones. You could, but playing time is also a big question mark. Yeah. But you know, generally about these prospects. And I think if you listen to a lot of prospect stuff, we say this a lot, but it's been hard to believe us lately. It's that most prospects struggle when they get to the major leagues, the major leagues are really hard, mm-hmm. right? I know it sounds silly, but hitting in the major leagues is really, really hard. And there's just a very finite number of human beings who are capable of doing it, right? I do think that Jared Kelenic, Trevor Larnick, Alex Kirilov, you know, these guys, they can hit in the major leagues, but they're not just going to do it instantly. Mm -hmm. We've been blessed lately with these guys who come up and just rake immediately. Tatis, Soto, these guys, big names, big stars. And you think, why can't everyone do that? But let's not forget, we're just now seeing what Vlad Guerrero can do. Yeah. Just now. That's not Mm -hmm. what we saw early. He was a big old disappointment to folks for quite a while, right? He'd been sliding down. And this was a guy who has a legendary hit tool. Like the number of players with the hit tool and pedigree that Guerrero had coming up. And remember, he went through all the steps of the minors. This is not a guy who had to skip. Mm -hmm. He, He went through all of it. He had like... You know, they held him down for longer than they probably should have. And it still was a struggle because hitting in the major leagues is freaking hard. And <laughs> these guys, I mean, that's why I say I don't try to, you know, cling to more than one or two prospects mm-hmm. at any given time in a 10 or 12 team redraft, because simply put, the number of them that will break out is less than one per team in your mm-hmm. league, right? It's, it's simply less. Especially when you talk long-term. For short-terms, they will. Alex Kirloff has been good. And then he struggled, right? Pitchers adjust to him. Now it's his turn to adjust. I mean, go, be- go back to the beginning of this episode. We talked about Akil Badu. He was hitting well. Pitchers adjust. Takes him a good, solid month to make the adjustments he needs to make. And even mm-hmm. then, he didn't come back to what he was. He's slightly different, right? The power mm-hmm. is less because he has to be more careful. And yeah, he's taken a bunch of walks. It's really good for him. I'm excited to see how he grows. And I think we're going to have this conversation with a lot of these players, but they're underwhelming because they usually do. And I think it's worth spending a little extra time here because you haven't had a good reason to believe someone who tells you that lately, but it's true. And now I think you get to see it a little more where it's really hard. Jared Kellenick coming up like in a 15 team league, you can spend a bunch of fab because the upside, but 10 or 12, this is the issue, right? Mm -hmm. now you've got a bunch of capital invested what do you do you put yourself in a really tough position uh, because hitting in the major leagues is difficult now at least for some of these guys they've got playing time so they're going to get some chances but you know with Larnik and Kirilov eventually there's going to come a roster crunch Mm -hmm. and it's going to be it's looking a little easier now for the twins to send one of these guys down yeah
1: and also just uh that's a great point especially when you're rostering guys Like Kellenick in these Yahoo type leagues where you're only starting three outfielders. It's it's even tougher there. But uh, just a quick FYI in terms of the uh, sticky stuff when it comes to balls, it looks like uh, Major League Baseball is working on a new policy that they may institute within the next week or so where pitchers are going to be randomly checked eight to 10 times per game as they leave the mound. And possible punishment could be 10 days without pay. That's going to be interesting to see uh, if they could enforce that.
2: Yeah. And I think all I want to say about it is beware the hot takes. I mean, I already saw one on Twitter where they're like, Oh, there's a new thing on sticky stuff. And now Garrett Cole had a bad game. (laughs) Watch out for those bad takes because uh, that's what they are. They're Mm -hmm. bad takes, right? Like, Talk to me if Garrett Cole has a whole bad month, Mm -hmm. a whole bad year. Until then, I think he's, you know, does he give up five runs in a game sometimes? Yeah. But I'm not going to say it's because of sticky stuff. Has he used it? I don't know. Couldn't tell you. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you that any quick, like any hot take about sticky stuff, about a specific start, throw it out. It's Mm -hmm. probably garbage unless you have actual real good knowledge that it was just the sticky stuff. Yeah. But Garrett Cole hasn't been using this fancy sticky stuff for his whole career. I'm guessing Uh, maybe like, was he using with the Astros? I mean, their history of cheating. Isn't great. (laughs) Right. But uh, you know, not ideal, but you know, he was great there too. And you know, if (laughs) there was a, there was a good time to pile on the Astros about illegal sticky stuff, especially if your name is Mike fires and you were in that rotation, Mm -hmm. he would know he didn't. He talked about the hitters, right? So throw those hot takes out.
1: Yeah. All right. So uh, last week we talked about how uh, Memorial Day could be used as a time where you take a realistic look at your fantasy baseball teams and kind of reevaluate what your strategy has been, and what you should be doing going forward. And we talked about how you could use, you know, the different summer holidays like July Fourth and even Labor Day as just, you know, points where you could just, you know, stop, pause, and. and Kind of reevaluate, but uh, it's also a time now where uh, I know that the the trade deadline is July thirty first. But you're starting to hear some talk about possible players being traded, and let's go over a couple of them. Uh, Max Scherzer uh, from the Nationals. You think the Nationals would actually move him? I mean, uh, hasn't lost anything. I think he's like thirty six years old. Twelve starts, two point two two ERA, zero point uh, eight two WHIP, twelve strikeouts per nine. 1.75 walks per nine. Velocity's still up there. Uh, the thing with Scherzer is that he controls his own destiny as a 10 and five full trade, no trade protection. So 10 years in the big leagues and the last five years with the same team. So he can only be traded to a team that he approves of.
2: Yeah, and let's be clear: if he's traded, it won't be for some big haul because he's also getting paid like seven years after his contract ends. He's got an albatross. What is he of a Bobby contract. Yeah, I know, right? He's got this albatross of a contract with the Nats, so I don't think he'll be traded. Although again, he's probably one of their few pieces with like some value, but again, I I wouldn't expect, you know, they're gonna ask for a lot more than anyone's probably willing to give them, unless Mm -hmm. it comes with a whole boatload of cash. Like more than I've ever seen moved in a baseball deal. But you know, at the same time, if he's traded, and and this is how I'm going to kind of look at all of these trade things, just so Joe knows, the listeners know, whoever they may be. Um, I'm going to look at this in terms of if he's traded, do we care for fantasy And with Max Scherzer? The answer is absolutely not. Mm -hmm. I don't care where he goes. He plays anywhere. Mm -hmm. He's good anywhere. His skills don't change. It's not like he's benefiting from some crazy park factor or insane defense. Max Scherzer is just a master of his craft. As Jim Price, one of the radio guys for the Tigers would say, the art of pitching is strong, right? It's just what he does. So he can go anywhere. It doesn't matter.
1: Trevor story. Now, a lot of people, and we've discussed this on previous episodes of this podcast. You know, they talk about the players being uh, offense, being a lot better when they're in uh, course field, but uh, Nolan Noronado has shown that there's life uh, and offensive production outside of course field. Right. And so I was reading how the, the, you know, it was almost like a foregone conclusion that the Rockies would be moving Trevor story. But now I'm hearing that uh, the, the, might be getting some cold feet about trading me. I mean basically one of the last star players left on their roster, uh Charlie Blackman is a solid member of the Rockies uh, roster but not what he once was. Trevor Story's best days probably still ahead of him. Uh currently on the IL, only 5 home runs on the season so that's a little unexpected from him, but uh, what do we think about Trevor Story in terms of how you uh, mentioned with Scherzer? I mean how do you think that uh, a move would affect his Fantasy production.
2: You know, the first thing is, I understand why the Rockies have cold feet because there's only so many nights they're going to be able to have Charlie Blackman bobblehead night, right? Like, (laughs) who else? Who else do they use for promotions, right? They're going to open up their whole seating, and it's not going to change how many people go, right? Trevor Story is one of the few reasons to go. Now, honestly, I don't care where Trevor Story goes. I'm really glad Nolan Arenado is hitting well because, gosh darn it, that's what was going to happen. Mm -hmm. And I'm not the one who invented this, right? There's plenty of good writers. Um, plenty of smart people will tell you that, yes, there's an advantage to hitting in Coors, but it doesn't mean you can't hit elsewhere. And they are not their home road splits because now he's not dealing with these crazy atmospheric changes. And if you don't think it's a big deal, it really is. There's a cool stat called Visual Memory Index, which is basically how your brain remembers how pitches move. Mm-hmm. And you, ha- when you're fighting big changes in that constantly, it's really hard to play baseball. It's hard enough to hit a slider these days much less when it changes how much they can possibly move from day to day, depending if you're at home or away. Right. So the thing with Trevor story, I don't care where he goes, right? The biggest change to him would be his like batting average upside comes down a little bit outside of, of course. I mean, Coors is, is it good for power? Yes. One of the big things it does is batting average. So that giant outfield, I know we've talked about it. It is a really good place to hit Mm -hmm. uh, not even just for power because the walls are far. It's just huge outfield is massive so I, I mean I think there's two teams that make a lot of sense for him I think the team that makes the most sense and this is true of any shortstop that's going to be the Cincinnati Reds uh, they are terrible at shortstop I'll talk about this you know a little later but they're terrible at infield defense they're really bad at the shortstop position Trevor Story will be a big upgrader over what they have and for whatever he loses in terms of like hitting environment at cores, I mean, he'll get some of it back right now. Cincinnati doesn't run very much and that's a bummer. That's a big mm-hmm. fantasy impact, but being in great American ballpark, also called great American small park, mm-hmm. he'll still hit home runs. He'll still do a lot of good things. And the other yeah. would be New York. I think that'd be a little more surprising. I just don't know what they're going to do. They probably don't need a shortstop because they have labor Torres at the same time. He's been struggling, Yeah, but that would be another place where if he went, I wouldn't care no difference at all. Anywhere else in the league that he could feasibly go, the change is minor, Mm -hmm. right? The change is minor. Nolan Arenado is just the perfect example. The biggest thing that changes for story, and this is actually going to be true of Starling Marte, uh, these guys who are on these bad teams, they get to hit in premium spots. The biggest thing you have to watch for is when they go to another team, right? Do those teams run? There's teams that simply don't run. The Mm -hmm. Reds are one of them. They have not run. Now, granted, their roster is not built to steal bases, They don't have a lot of guys. I mean, like, you're not, you know, I know he's been injured, but you're not sending Joey Votto, right? Right. You're not not sending, you know, most of the guys on the roster. You don't send them to steal. So, you know, Nick Castellanos, not a runner. He's a lot of things. He's not a runner. So, I mean, he did have a lot of triples in Detroit, but that's more of a function of Comerica Park than it was anything else. So, you know, speed guys, Starling Marte, you know, Trevor Story to a degree, you care where they go only because where are they going to hit in the lineup? Mm -hmm. And does that manager run? right? Like none of these guys would go to Kansas city, but in terms of like steals, man, Starling Marte would be awesome as a Royal. They would send him every single day. Right. And they could still hit him first. That's the other thing you have to watch is that batting, that batting order spot, Trevor Story's going to hit three, four, no matter where he goes. Starling Marte, if he's not hitting lead off. And I can't imagine a team would take him if they weren't going to bat him lead off. But if he's not batting lead off, where does he go? Where does he hit? If Mm -hmm. he's hitting like If he's hitting third, that's rough to steal. If he's hitting sixth, that's rough to steal. If he's hitting eighth, that's rough for everything but steals. right? So that's what I'm really watching for for some of these guys. And Trevor Story starring Marte, two really good examples of guys who they do change a little bit in terms of stolen bases. Everything else will be fine. The stolen bases can change based on manager.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned uh, the Yankees. And look, Aaron Hicks, done for the year. I guess there's only so much. Uh, that they could run out uh, Brett Gardner who uh, I'm a big fan of but you know obviously not the player he once was but here's a guy Keto Marte that's been brought up in trade rumors just in general I don't know about you know specifically to the Yankees but he could definitely be a useful asset for them switch hitter could Yankees are looking for somebody who could bat left lefty right uh plays uh infield and outfield perfect for the Yanks who like I said, need that lefty bat and could fill a void when one of their muscular superstars goes down with an injury. Uh, in terms of Ketel Marte, what do you think about his fantasy value uh, in a trade? How would it be affected uh, depending on where he lands?
2: Yeah, so first of all, like, let's all be honest with ourselves. 2019, Ketel Marte, who hit 30 plus home runs, that guy's not coming back. Right. Right. Like one of my big regrets in 2019 was when I was riding the batter's box four times a week. I was real slow on the uptake with Marte. I said this was a flash in the pan, and I was wrong, right? For that season, I was definitely wrong. But I, I just I don't see more than 20 to 25 home runs here for Cattell Marte. And that was if he hit like uh, for like 150 games. He's not going to mm-hmm. be able to do that this year probably. He's already missed too much time. But that's the kind of power upside he has on a full season. I like to switch things to a full season to get a better idea of what good power is. I think a lot of us conceptualize what a full, you know, full season, 20 to 25 power. We have an idea of what that means. Whereas if I just said rest of season, I have to do a lot of projecting for that. How much are they even going to play? That's harder to do. So it's a good thing to do is try to just think like, what's this guy? What would this guy be in a full season when you're trying mm-hmm. to get out an, an idea, especially for a guy like Marte, who you'd keep in your lineup all season, right? Cattell Marte is not a guy that you're switching in and out. Uh, but yeah, so Cattell Marte, hmm uh, I like, you know, him going to New York is kind of nice because there's that short porch and he would get to swing from that side. Mm -hmm. So that's big. I I also think, you know, this is a guy who can hit 300. You know, whether or not he can hit 30 home runs, doesn't matter. He can hit 300. He's almost got this like Jose Altuve or DJ LeMayhew type profile, right? Really good plate discipline, can hit some home runs, but maybe a little more than you think. But the big thing is if Catao Marte, for his fantasy value, if he goes to the Yankees, which, you know, tough sell but could happen where does he hit where does he hit in the order that change you know this is again another type of player who because he's mostly batting average and just like mm. kind of okay power you need him to hit in a real prime spot
1: Hicks was and batting I third he... for the Yanks for a while so that that yeah. spot might be open <laughs>
2: yeah I, I mean I think I think that he could right I mean mm-hmm. they were willing to hit yeah. Hicks third which just continues to boggle my <laughs> mind but right. that, you know could in the middle of that lineup, that's a really nice spot. Certainly a lot better than what he's got in Arizona, which mm-hmm. while it used to be a good hitter's park, is now a pitcher-friendly park mm-hmm. uh, since they brought in the humidor. I think it'd be a cool move. I kind of think of him, whether or not he stays in Arizona, I sort of comp him right now to like a Jose Altuve uh, type of player. DJ, again, DJ LeMayhew type of player, but just lesser, right? Like a little lower ceiling than those two, but on that level, so... That's what I think, and if he goes to the Yankees, that's fine. He goes anywhere else, I really don't care. He's still mm-hmm. that type of player. It only matters where he hits.
1: How about the the Twins as sellers, right? Uh, Nelson Cruz. Andrelton Simmons—they're both going to be free agents, and I guess Cruz is a, is a bit of a tough sell because he's just basically a utility player. Only DH is at this stage, but uh, definitely for uh, you know an American League team looking for a spark in offense, not the Yankees because they have enough of power hitters, but just to, in general, if there's another team that needs a little spark in their uh, their lineup, how about the A's? I don't know, just just pull that out of nowhere. But uh, what do you think about the Twins being sellers? I mean it's
2: really tough for me because i really did peg them as a team that could really run in this division i really liked their depth and it's even though their hitting depth has been challenged um they still roll out these pretty decent lineups from day to day the pitching mm-hmm. is just awful yes you know, it it's not good it's not good enough they're they're so far behind now it'd be really hard for them to to make a real run i do think though what's nice is they have a lot of guys you know the way you put it in the write-up is they're going to be free agents. They have these guys on these ending contracts. Those are what you can move.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: You won't get a ton, right? Like teams just don't trade prospects like they used to, but you can trade these guys because it's not like the other team has to make this big commitment. They don't have to determine what their future is going to be. I mean, for God's sake, Albert Pujols signed with the Dodgers. (laughs) Did you tell me that if they shopped around Nelson Cruz, you couldn't get, you know, a back end relief prospect for Nelson Cruz. Mm-hmm. Right. You tell me, I mean, I think the guy who makes, there's two guys that made a, a bit of sense for me. I think there's going to be a lot of teams looking for starting pitching. And I think Michael Pineda and J.A. Happ serve as depth starting pitching. I, I don't think, you know, they're not going to help any team that's looking for like a number two, number three guy, I think, but they'll be out there as a number four and pitching is where you get stuff. Like people will give you things for pitching. Mm-hmm. They won't give you much for power hitting. The other player who I do think could be traded Uh, And again, I think the Reds would be really smart to go after Andrelton Simmons,
1: right? So again,
2: the Reds have been horrible. They're the fourth worst infield, the third worst at shortstop in terms of outs above average, which is stat cast stat, which I do really like. Andrelton Simmons has been ranked in the 98th percentile among all fielders in four of the last five years. I mean, his reputation as a defensive wizard is absolutely true. And he can slap the ball pretty good. Right. I mean, that's why the twins got him. They wanted to improve their infield defense because they knew it was a little rough, even though they already had a lot of middle infielders. They felt they had a better shot with Simmons and Simmons defense has not been the problem for them. I mean, I know he's been a little bit injured, but eventually he's going to be, you know, you're going to be able to say he's fully healthy. And man, the Reds would be smart to go get like a defensive player shortstop because they're really bad defensively. And I mean, they can't keep starting Kyle Farmer forever. Mm -hmm. And what they'd have to give up for Simmons just ain't much. Right. right. It's not like they're, they they do not have to ship away their, their future. They could go get him. And I think it'd just be a really good idea. What it would mean for Simmons value is pretty much nothing, right? Like he's an AL only slash very deep league guy because he can hit for some average, but not a lot of speed, not a lot of power, not a lot of counting stats, but man, he'd be real good for that team. And they could really make a run. Cause the NL central is wide open.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. I like that. And I don't know if the twins uh, would trade within their division, uh, I guess they would have to really admit that they've they're totally done. But a uh, team in the division who could really use a Nelson Cruz would be the the Indians, the Cleveland Indians. So, but uh, I don't I don't really see that happening. But uh, how about the Cubs? Are the Cubs just playing too well to sell? I mean, uh, they're tied for first place entering Sunday's action, and just want to remind everyone that we're recording this episode on Sunday, June sixth. Uh, early afternoon eastern time and you have chris bryant anthony rizzo javier baez all going to be free agents at the end of this year bryant really making a nice comeback 310 13 home runs 38 rbi Uh, rizzo struggling a little bit but through his first 51 games 257 five home runs four stolen bases Javier Baez, 245 batting average, but 14 home runs, 39 RBI, and nine stolen bases. Cubs have a, a lot of shortstop prospects, but uh, none are going to be ready for a couple of seasons or so. But if you're the Cubs, number one, do you have to reevaluate? Because there was always a, a foregone conclusion that they would be sellers at, at some point and break up this team. But uh, would you would you trade any of these guys? And if, if so... You know who would be the first guy that you'd look to trade?
2: I think if I'm the Cubs, I make one last run at it right now. Do I think mm-hmm. this team could win a World Series? Probably not. But could they make a run at the playoffs? Just get that one last stretch, especially now that they can open up their stadium all the way? Uh, absolutely, that's what I do. Teams aren't going to give you very much for Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo or Javier Baez. Mm-hmm. We know this because we've seen one year like guys with just the rest of the season left lately get traded, particularly hitters. Um, Baez might be a little different cause he plays a premium position, but Rizzo Bryant. I mean, they could, they just have to look back to like when JD Martinez got traded from the tigers to the diamondbacks, the tigers didn't get anything, mm-hmm. right? They got pretty much nothing. They got like the diamondbacks, like 10th best prospect in that. And that was because they were the only people looking to buy. And JD Martinez was having a heck of a better season than any of these guys, right? Like he was mm-hmm. destroying the ball. Teams don't trade for hitters that much. It, it's it's unlikely. Does it happen once in a while? We just don't see it very often because it's just not there. The, the value for the team that's selling isn't there. It's there for pitching, but it's not there for this type of player. So the NL Central, again, wide open. I think mm-hmm. they might as well keep it because if they can just grab another starter, a decent one like maybe a little better than like a Panetta or a half. I, I
1: got a guy. I got a guy. How yeah, but just, good would Max Scherzer look in a Cubs uniform?
2: Yeah, they'd have to pay him.
1: But, <laughs>
2: uh, you know, Scherzer would be nice, but they, they need a starter. Mm-hmm. You know, they've actually got the second worst FIP in the league based, you know, from starting pitching. But their bullpen's been surprisingly good, like top five in ERA, If I If I'm not mistaken, the bullpen's been pretty good, which is weird. Uh, but, you know, they do have MVP vote getter Ryan Tapera in there, which is just a great I mean, it was a mistake, but it's still just a great thing to reference whenever you can. And I don't think the Cubs need to buy a hitter because, you know, they do have so, a little bit of weakness at like one corner outfield position and maybe like the middle infield. But Nico Horner's going to be back at some point. Matt Duffy mm-hmm, will be mm-hmm. back at some point. They can fill those gaps, right? I mean, there's no reason they need to trade for it because they're really trying to look towards the future anyway. But. While they're at it, you're doing better than you expected in a division that's weaker than expected. Make a run. Mm-hmm. Have some fun. Win some games. Give people yeah. a reason to come back. I mean, people go to Wrigley anyway. You've got a tremendous
1: fan base. Yeah. Treat them. <laughs> yeah, get them,
2: get them something. When, when, you're, when you're making a surprise run, right? Like you didn't expect to be doing well, but you are.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Especially when the core of your team is all up at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Just make that last run. Because you remember, you're going to have to still get free agents later, right? And nobody wants to come to a team that just like always sells when they're going to when they're going to leave, right? You, you got to build. Show show people you're trying to win games, that you're trying to do something. I think that they can do that. I think they just have to trade for a starter. I don't think they have to sell everything they have to do it. They just need like a number two or number three guy. They could make a run. This division mm-hmm. is again wide, wide open.
1: Yeah, and we're going to get back to the Cubs in a minute. But as we close out, or Trades discussion. Uh, talk quickly about closers. We've we've mentioned this before on the show. If you have a closer who pitches for a losing team, chances are that they're going to be traded at the deadline. And unfortunately, it doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to be the closer on their new team. Uh, for instance, a guy like Ian Kennedy, who uh, has 12 saves and a 2.53 ERA for the Rangers. It makes sense for them to move him close to the deadline. But uh, the team he goes to... He might not be the closest. Just keep that in mind.
2: And also keep in mind that Ian Kennedy made a lot of sense to trade for like three consecutive seasons when he was (laughs) with Kansas City, and they never did. They never traded him. He never gets traded. Closers talk like we talk about closers getting traded a lot more than it really happens, Mm -hmm. right? Because teams, you know, weird. There is action every, you know, every deadline, but teams don't like trading for big pieces because it costs something. And you know, I've talked to a guy named Andrew Perpetua. He's in our Discord, which you should join. Plug, plug, plug. But uh, he, you know, he used to run X stats. He's worked with teams, and I'll tell you, the the offers that the teams get from other teams are embarrassingly bad for mm-hmm. the most part. The starting offers are horrible. They're the ones that you don't even counter in fantasy. Mm-hmm. They're that bad. I mean, look at what the Mets had to give up to get Francisco Lindor. You know, putting aside for a second that he's really struggled, right? Um, what they got. Preseason, what what did you get for Francisco Lindor? Nothing. I mean, nothing. You got, mm-hmm. I mean, you got Ahmed Rosario and Andres Jimenez, who, you know, Jimenez is back in the minor leagues. He wasn't hitting. Ahmed Rosario is sort of playing every day right now, but hasn't been, right? Like he's missed time. That's what you got for Francisco Lindor, who had year, who had control left, who had years left. What are you going to get for Anthony Rizzo? Hmm. What are you going to get, you know, for an older player at first base with no control? What are you going right. to get? Nothing. You're not going to get either one of those guys. Uh, same, I mean, the same goes for close. The only reason we see relievers get moved is because teams are willing to trade these like end of contract relievers for very, very little for a, you know, third tier prospect. That's the only reason they move. And, you know, a lot of teams aren't that motivated to do it in the first place. Hmm.
1: All right. So uh, that ends our discussion on trades and then we'll pick that up uh, as the trade deadline gets closer. Like I said, July 31st. So uh, let's move on to some uh, hot hitters that uh, names that we should keep our eyes on. And we were talking about the Cubs and there's really no hotter hitter than a guy, uh, Patrick Wisdom. I mean, is it smart for a fantasy player to add some wisdom to their fantasy team? But I'm pumped. I stayed up all night thinking that one, Scott. But uh, Patrick, did great but uh, Patrick Wisdom, first 12 games, five homers, seven RBI batting 400. I mean, is he the new Yerman Mercedes or Adonis Garcia? I mean, when it comes to his expected long term fantasy production, I mean, you mentioned Matt Duffy and Nico Horner coming back. I mean, you, you have to wonder if he's going to be getting at bats. Uh, once that happens, I mean, but you had some some power in the minor leagues and a lot of it was PCL infused, but basically just a 244 career hitter in the minors. And at least you had Mercedes and Garcia. They had some good numbers down in the minor leagues. What do you think about uh, his long term uh, future, Mr. Wisdom?
2: I mean, if you kind of look at his the first thing I'll say is his 50 he's got 55 games in the minor or in the major leagues mm-hmm. up till now. And he's actually been Surprisingly good. Two sixty-nine batting average, five fifty-six slugging, right? He does strike out a lot, like he's continued to do that this season. Mm-hmm. I you know, two things I do want to call out. Number one, Shelly, when she was on about two weeks ago, did a great job mentioning that when you look at minor league numbers, look at how old are they for the league. Patrick Wisdom is twenty nine years old playing triple A. Yeah. I mean, that's you know, that's you know, incredibly old for for Triple A, right? And yes. he'd been in triple A. What was this? One, two, three, four. This was his fifth season. In triple A, right? He started in triple A back in 2016. So, do I think there's some power here? Sure. Do I think there's going to be a really cold spell coming? Yeah, probably, right? Mm -hmm. Especially players that strike out, like that strike out this much, even when they're hot, right? This guy's hot and he's striking out 34% of the time.
1: Yeah. I'm not saying
2: he can't adjust. I mean, we're watching Akil Badu adjust right now. And Obviously, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna kind of stay away from the the super low-hanging fruit, which is like, oh, his expected batting average is 100 <laughs> points lower. Like, at the end of the day, his expected batting average is still 306, <laughs> right? His expected slightly 749. All that tells you is what he's been doing, like, in terms of power, quality of contact, that's been real. What's going to happen is pitchers are going to adjust. They're going to mm-hmm. change how they pitch him. Then we're going to see him struggle. Then we're going to see if he can come back, mm-hmm. right? That's what we're waiting for. Ride it while it's hot. And then... You know, you might have to let him go eventually, right? Like you might have to sort of give up on it, but that's okay, right? Just keep an eye on the strikeout numbers. Eventually they're going to come to a point where they're untenable. You have to let him go because he's not going to be hitting home runs. But, you know, it's cool. I guess like that's the takeaway. It's cool. Streak him for now. Stream him for now. He's a fun
1: player for now. Yes.
2: Yeah. yeah. Stream him for now. Mm -hmm. Eventually this is going to cool off. And the question is going to be how low does he get before he bounces back? Right. right. And at some point you have to know what your cut bait is, mm-hmm. right? When do you, when do you just cut ties? And that's just right. really going to probably depend what's on your league's wire in yeah. a 10 team league. I won't be waiting long in a yeah. 15. I'll be waiting longer, but eventually if something comes up and you know, he'll probably be the first guy I'm ready to cut.
1: Yeah. And what you said just a few seconds ago, very important. I mean, it's, Knowing when to say when, when it's time to cut ties with someone, uh, a player, is, is hard, right? I mean, you just, you know, you really got to pay attention and try to detect, you know, when the the, the trend changes. And it's not going to be like an uh, on-off switch or whatnot. But You just have to really stay on top of your team, your fantasy yeah. team.
2: And actually, you know, one thing I've done. So obviously, there are a few people as big of Tarek Skubal and Akil Badu fans as me. And I rostered them just about everywhere. And let's be clear: in most leagues with fifteen teams or with less than fifteen teams, they all I cut both of those guys, Mm -hmm. and I got them back right Uh, because that was my thing. I had a breaking point where I was like, "Look, if it becomes like two or three starts in you know in a twelve-team league or a ten-team league, when it becomes like three starts in a row that he's on my roster and I'm not activating him, why am I rostering him? Right, right. I can't just hold him till he plays." you know, until he plays Cleveland every time, right? I got to let him go. Uh, So at that, you know, there comes a point. But once, you know, he was on my watch list, the moment I let him go, Mm -hmm. I know there's not a lot of other folks that were looking at him at that time. I knew, you know, the stock was just too low. People wouldn't look. But once I saw any ray of light, he came back. I grabbed Mm -hmm. him because I wanted, I would have wanted to have roster him, but I couldn't because I need to stay competitive in these leagues. Same for Akil Badu. I mean, I just started adding him back, right? He's still very available in most leagues. I just started adding him back. Um, and that'll be the thing. If you really, if there's something you really like about Patrick Wisdom, but then he has like two bad weeks, you've gotten to the point where for a hitter, it's like three or four games in a row. He's only been your bench, right? Like you've not, you've not really thought about starting him unless no one else is playing, mm-hmm. you know, Start considering to let him go in that format. Those ten and twelve. Team He's leagues.
1: expired after those two weeks. Yeah,
2: expired, expired, expired. <laughs> but keep you know, but but keep an eye on him. That doesn't mean sure. you can't watch list. It doesn't mean you can't re-add him. Of course, there's going to be players right. that you roster for a couple weeks at a time, like mm-hmm. six times <laughs> throughout yep. the year. That's mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. That's okay. That's playing fantasy baseball. But you're keeping an eye on that player when other people are only sorting by top fourteen days. De- you know, best over the last fourteen days or whatever. Yep. You're, yep. try, you're trying to be smarter. You've got to watch list of players who you think have a real upside, not just they've been good the last two weeks. That doesn't tell you anything.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, next player, Dansby Swanson from the Braves, former 2015 first-round pick for the Diamondbacks. Uh, he's going to be a free agent at the end of the season. Recent power surge, if you look at what he's done in his last 14 games, five home runs, 12 RBI, 346 batting average. Overall numbers, 238. 10 home runs, 27 home runs, but his 10 home runs is already as many as he hit all last season in in 60 games, but uh, Swanson really coming on.
2: Yeah. And so look, Dansby Swanson, I kind of had, I've had this same feeling about him from the preseason till now, right? Watching him slump, watching him get better. Hasn't really changed anything for me. This is a guy who can hit 240 to 250, a guy who has 20 to 25 home runs total in his bat. If he plays about 140 to 150 games, right? At shortstop, a position that is notoriously loaded on talent, he's probably somewhere between like the 12th and 16th on my list at any mm-hmm. given time. When he's colder, it slumps down a little bit. You know, Really what I've liked from him is that the strikeout rate has gotten much more under control than it mm-hmm. had been before this. But that's a regular old slump. Players do this all the time. Every time a player's bad for two weeks, you don't have to think what's wrong. And when a player has been good for two weeks, you don't have to say he's really changed. That stuff's not really, I mean, it's happening, but on a much smaller scale than we like to think, he's this back-end shortstop and a 12-teamer, a good middle infielder in most formats, a back-end shortstop. And he's going to have these cold streaks. And there's going to be times, especially in like a 10 or 12-team Yahoo standard league where there's no middle, right? There's going to be times that you let him go, right? You might have let him go. Uh, in those leagues and that's okay for a short time right maybe you picked up Brandon Crawford because he's been raking right Brandon Crawford 20 yeah. home runs in his last 102 games that's what he's got between 2020 and now 20 home runs in 102 games if he played like a full season which he does all the time because they don't have mm-hmm. another shortstop mm-hmm. they don't have you know any reason he's been durable that's like a 27 home run guy he yeah. doesn't run but there's a lot of power there and he's been like the eighth best shortstop in fantasy so far not crazy to think that he can finish inside the top 15 to 20 as well. Mm-hmm. In a shallow league, Brandon Crawford, Danby Swanson, these are guys that you are cycling in and out. Like yeah. most of your league has a shortstop. They can't move, right? Like they have to keep them because there's like eight or nine of those guys that just stay in your lineup the whole time. But when you've got the back end shortstops, this is what you're doing. You're cycling the Brandon Crawford's and Danby Swanson's of the world to try to get the most out of that position because you're trying to keep up with your league mates who have elite shortstops.
1: Yes, and there are plenty of them. Yeah, it's a deep position. So I'll just throw his name out there, but I, he only consideration for deeper leagues. But uh, I guess until the Yanks make a trade for an outfielder, you think that Miguel Anderhart, and again, and we're talking 15-teamers here, but I think he's worth maybe an add. Uh, in a 15-team in a league. I mean, look, the, there was never really a question about his hit tool. I think as a, a rookie, he had 27 home runs and 92 RBI. Then he had the, uh, the shoulder surgery, which kept him out for an entire year. And Yanks been looking for a spot for him in their roster. I mean, because Gio Urshela uh, took over at third base, Andrew Hart's former position, but uh looks like he's a little bit more comfortable playing in left field at Yankee Stadium. Not an easy position to learn how to play, but and it looks like it's translated a little bit uh, at the plate, but uh, any interest in him in a deep 15-team uh, league?
2: Yeah. I mean, injuries have been a huge issue uh, for anyone in 15-team leagues, especially if you're like an NFBC-style league that has no IL. Uh, those, I mean, those are rough, mm-hmm. right? Um, TGFBI is one of those. It's really yes. hard and Hart's showing some power right now. Uh, he's, you know, changed his hit profile just a little bit, but you know, a- as was mentioned by Jeff Zimmerman in his recent article on Fangraphs, he's not pulling the ball the way he did before and that's kind of what he needs to do to have that kind of power. And until then, you know, he still grounds out a lot. He's middling. I mean, he's okay as a fifth outfielder as long as again, you're not making any attachments. You're mm-hmm. going to let him go when something better is – you're going to be actively looking for a replacement. But until you find a good one, Andahar's as good as any, right? Mm-hmm. Like if I'm, at, if I'm trying to add an outfielder in one of my 15-team leagues, this is the backup that I'm adding to all those bids, right? I've, I've got these – you know, I've got bids or whatever. This is the guy I'm putting behind there. Or, yeah, you know, like I didn't get my first option. Okay, well, I've got Miguel Andahar. I'll put that in.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How about your, uh, your guy? I call him your guy because he's a Tiger. But uh, Jonathan Scope, he's another guy that uh, we added in the podcast league. Uh, But Jonathan Scope, man, uh, typically been a 25-home run, 260 hitter. On fire since May 15th. Seven home runs, 18 RBI in 20 games, batting .354. Obviously not that good a hitter, but uh, he really got off to a tough start. And uh, I think maybe he might have some value in a 12-team league as a middle infielder. Yeah, I mean, he does.
2: When he's cold, you're going to throw him back in the well. Mm-hmm. Right. But he's the kind of guy that when he's hot, you know what he can do. He can hit for power. And, you know, while it's not a good lineup, he does hit in the middle of it. You know how many there's just a finite number of second basemen who hit third or fourth in this league. So, you know, when he's hot, fire him up, you know, in really any format because, you know, you've unless you've got like an absolute stud at second base or middle infield, this is a guy you can fire up. For short times, and then you let him go and swap him for something else later when he gets cold and someone else gets hot. This is the epitome of a streamer in ten and twelve team leagues. In fifteen mm-hmm. team leagues, you're probably going to hold on to him most of the time because there's not that many good middle infielders out there. And scope can hit for power and plays every day.
0: Yeah, but in yeah. a
2: shallow league, you know this is this is a, this is what a streamer looks like: a guy who can go on really hot stretches, who has like decent, you know, in a full season has like decent numbers, but you're not rostering him for a full season and you can get better production out of that spot than what Jonathan scope would do in a full season. So cycle him in and then cycle him out later. Whenever we do this segment again, and there's somebody (laughs) else who's hot.
1: Right. Right. Uh, Like a, like a Hunter Renfro, right. Who's, you know, been on fire for nine games, batting close to 500, a couple of home runs, power undeniable. But I, I look at his strikeout rate. Even in those nine games, it's still at thirty percent. So uh, temper your expectations when it comes to Hunter Renfro. No,
2: yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, I like that he's cut the whiff rate on breaking balls. He actually a lot of improvement against breaking balls. Weirdly enough, five of his seven home runs this season are on breaking pitches. Hmm. Right now, I didn't dive in deeper just to see if folks were hanging them against him. Right? I mean, that can happen a lot. But you know, he's a real classic. When we you know we talk about these guys a lot. Real classic big hit tool, or I'm sorry, big power tool, low hit tool, 30 home run power. Going to play every day because the the Red Sox don't have a lot of depth right mm-hmm. now, uh, but they'll play every day. But just because he plays every day doesn't mean in a 10 or 12 team league that you should roster him every day. Mm-hmm. Right? When he's hot, roster him. When he's cold, let him go. Lots of power hitters like this, and he's just one of them.
1: Yeah. Uh, last player we'll talk about today, Pavin Smith, and you know, whenever we ask out in the Discord, who do you want to talk about? It seems that Pavin Smith's name seems to come up pretty frequently. In his first 57 games, batting two ninety three with five home runs, 21 RBI. Uh, been hot as of late in his last 12 games, four seventy five batting average. Hits the ball really hard, but uh, his below league average fly ball rate kind of limiting his home run production. you got to wonder if yeah, uh, hope he's not turning to another Yandy Diaz uh, from the Rays, who uh, Diaz, of course, has the biggest arms in baseball, but no home runs to show for it.
2: Pavin Smith is exactly the reason why you stream guys, especially at these positions, right? You mentioned his total line. He is hitting 293 right now, and he's slugging 457, and that's great. But that doesn't mean that's what he's been doing this whole time. You'll remember he was very hot in the beginning of the season, right? He, uh, he, when he came out, he, he was pretty hot. Let me tell you, on May 23rd, he had May 24th off. On May 23rd, his line, not 293, 250. Right. Not 457 slugging, 399, right? This guy's just been real up and down. Now, look, he was a seventh overall pick in 2017, famously in front of Joe Adele for whatever mm. reason. Uh, but in a 10 or 12 team league, this is just a streamer. That's all it is. And don't get too attached because he's had miserable stretches so far. What I am surprised about is that Christian Walker has not taken this job back. He's been hitting atrociously, right? Yeah. And if he does turn it around, I wouldn't be shocked if like Pavin Smith and Christian Walker became a little bit more of a platoon with Pavin mm-hmm. Smith on the strong side of it. Yep. But at the same time, this guy, his upside just isn't enough to just hold him forever. When he gets cold, let him go. If you can't get him back, you can get something else back that's just as good or better. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just the way this is. I mean, again, we're talking about what we're seeing right now is two high spots and one low spot and his line 293 batting average 457 slugging. That's like the, the cap during his hot streaks. That's as good as he is over a course of like two to three weeks. That's it. It's all he's mm-hmm. got, right? Let him go. He's, he's good for now. He's going to, it's going to dry up. You're going to let him go, right? You're going to let him go. Cause Hunter Renfro will be hot or Jonathan scope will be hot. Or you know Dansby Swanson will be available there's no re- like Pavin Smith is not better than any of those guys so yes he's hot I, I don't even don't even think too hard about it like okay you know he's got you know he's in Colorado's division although famously when he went to Coors recently he was terrible he did nothing in course right so you can't even just do that I like him as a streamer when the Diamondbacks face weak right-handed pitching mm-hmm you, and you'll know that coming in, That's a decent week to stream it, but otherwise like he's barely, you know, for me, rest of season, which isn't the way you need to run a 10 or 12 team league, but just in terms of like overall upside, this guy's like fringy top 100 hitter, right? Like fringy. I'm not even sure. Like not, no, I'm sorry. Not top 100 hitter. Top 100 outfielder. Mm-hmm. Fringy top 100 outfielder. That's a, that's a really different ranking. Uh, Fringy top 100 outfielder because he's just, he's fine. He's, yeah. He is hitting the ball hard. He doesn't always hit it. He goes through these cold spells. Could something change where I change my mind about him? Yes. Has not happened yet? No. We've seen a hot streak, a cold streak, and a hot streak. And all I'm kind of seeing is the same bouncing, right? I'm not seeing significant changes. It's not like Akil Badu who is hot, then cold, then hot. Because with Akil Badu, we saw a big change in how he approaches, right? Because when he was yep. hot, even early on, he was still striking out a ton and never walking. Now he's heated up quite a bit, but it's a different way, a change. I haven't seen that with Pavan Smith. It's just regular, like midline player. You know how many players are capable of hitting, you know, even like 400 over the course of two weeks? A ton. Mm-hmm. Half the league. That doesn't mean you need to roster all of them. Yeah. You can you for can... now. And then don't later because something will be better.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Agree with you, he's he is replaceable, no doubt. So uh Scott, great stuff as always. And let's let's go tigers. Let's keep uh your tigers moving forward. Having yeah, like, I mean just something you play my Yankees. That's all. Yeah,
2: like they're not playing for anything, but at least there's something to watch, right? 2020 was a long year, it was 60 games and it felt long. <laughs> Nothing to watch. Now <laughs> I've got School, I've got my and, and they're succeeding, right? Look, we saw mm-hmm. these guys a bit last year, they're playing well now. This is fun, right? And I hope the teams like the Cubs don't do the classic, like, let's just sell. You're not going to get anything anyway. Mm -hmm. Just buy some stuff and try to make a run. Try to do something fun. For God's sakes, it's baseball. You know, we we joke all the time. and It's a kid's game. So try to win it, for God's sake.
1: Agree. I wish more teams would try to win. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, good talking to you this week, and we'll talk again next week. And want to thank everyone. Uh, For allowing us to visit with you, we hope you were informed and entertained because, of course, that is our goal. You could follow me at Joe Galena. Follow Scott at If the Chew Fits. Follow our podcast at Hacks and Jacks PL. You could also also follow at Pictureless Pods, and you'll find out anytime a new episode drops for any of the great podcasts on the picture list podcast network and you can subscribe to hacks and jacks on apple podcasts and please if you don't mind leave us a a stellar five-star review if you can as always we hope that all of your fantasies become realities we want you to have a great week and we'll see you next time